When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. My name is Ben Hocking. Guys, can you hear me okay? No. Ben, where are you? Ben, are you there? It's a, sorry, what? What? Can't, okay, the joke is we're in the same place. Um, for the first that. time in a long, long time. I can see you both. It's, it's a shame, it's but horrible. I can see you both. We can speak at the same time and there not be any lag or anything like that. This situation is regrettable. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about crazy Formula 1 stuff. Even the intros are a bit more normal when we're together. <laughs> I like how that's our version of normal, but yeah. there you go. Um, plenty to discuss. The Portuguese Grand Prix review, of course, at the Algarve Circuit, Portimao. Lewis Hamilton taking win number 93, meaning he stands out by himself now. The most wins ever. Sorry, 92. 90. You've given him a win already. Well, he'll win the next one, won't he? <laughs> I, I'm just previewing for that one. I'll put this on the podcast for Imola. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. 92 wins <laughs> to his name, going one ahead of Michael Schumacher um, and in the process going ahead of Valtteri Bottas by 77 points in the championship. Bottas second, Verstappen rounded out the podium. But I tell you what, it was a bit of a crazy start, was it not? Carlos Sainz deciding to spice things up a little bit. The soft tyres turning on straight away. The mediums having a bit of a lie-in. Didn't want to get out of bed too early in the morning. <laughs> no. What did you make of the start, Harry? It was madness. I mean, we've not watched a race together ever. And that was the start we got to That's watch. Crazy, yeah. yeah, that was great. That was pretty lovely, actually. The screaming that came from this, this building that we're in must have disturbed the, the yeah, neighbours. Really because, sorry, neighbours. Yeah, blimey. I mean, Sainz, absolute... Menace tearing it up that front row. I mean, all soft tie runners bar Verstappen, who probably without the Perez thing might yeah. might well have been an album. Uh, less said the better. Really. Sorry, Alex. Uh, um, yeah, just the medium tires, just not not having a not having a good time, were they at the start? <laughs> it didn't even take one lap. It took a solid like four laps before even the Mercs to get the the mediums to work, but. Then after that, it was it was fine. But um, yeah, Carlos Sainz making all the moves and big credit to to big big Kimi Raikkonen. I big mean, Kimi. <laughs> wow. We'll speak a bit more in depth about Kimi Raikkonen later on and what a race he had. Didn't end up in any points, but ultimately only one retirement. So hard to see an alpha getting points in a race like that. But what a start! And yeah, Carlos Sainz <laughs> making that run for the lead. Yeah, I know through the first few corners, obviously Verstappen alongside Bottas, and Bottas does his job and gets him out of the way. You think, all right, back to normality now. Everything will go, will be fine. Uh, and then the medium tires are just like, no, no, no. I don't want to do it. I mean, we all thought that Bottas was going to have it because he got past Hamilton, of course. Now, a minute, there's a macker at the front. It was just astounding. Um, I am so baffled. And it was good up and down. You know, like the Claire drops all the way back. Perez gets spun on that on that, the fourth corner, of course. And then, oh, just madness. This is what I love about this crazy calendar that we've got. The fact that we are racing in off-season circuits that we don't usually go to. And drivers don't know what to do. They don't have the data. The tyres don't work for because Pirelli have never tested them around here before. And it's just producing pure spice in the content. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, soft tyres, good for one lap yeah. and a start, bad for literally everything else. I mean, we were expecting, even though the soft tyres didn't do great in that first stint, when Ocon went on to the fresh soft tyres against <laughs> Ricardo, who had been on medium since nearly the start of the race, Ocon didn't have it over Ricardo. And same with Perez, as he was overtaken twice at the end. But that that start, I, I can't get over it. And we actually recorded ourselves at the start of the race and indeed throughout the race, um, which we'll we'll put into a video. But Sam's reaction to Carlos Sainz taking the lead. <laughs> I've seen some outbursts of emotion from Sam plenty of times, but that one's up there. Yeah, that, that'll be a headphone warning possibly if you're watching oh, yes. the video very soon. Next week, it'll probably be out when you're listening to this. Um, 
I can't believe it. A Macca legitimately took the lead on pace. No red flag business, no safety cars, no pit stops. Pure overtakes from a Macca on a Mercedes. You love it. Love to see it. Yeah, um, we'll we'll go into the Mercedes race a little bit more uh, in a bit, but we did, of course, reference the both Red Bulls, but specifically for this topic, Max Verstappen didn't get away very well. He got away well, um, but the Perez incident sort of held him back. We saw what Carlos Sainz was able to do on the softs. We saw what Kimi Raikkonen was able to do on the softs. Do you think, Sam, that Verstappen not getting that good start and getting into the lead? from that first lap, held him back in the race. Yeah, massively. We know what Max is like. When he feels like he's got his teeth into something, he's got his fingers around something, he, he, he goes for it. He almost has that extra little bit of drive that turns up. When Max is on it, he's really on it. And when something doesn't suit Max, it seems to be a little bit difficult for him to ease into it. And he still put out a great performance. Third was probably, I think, realistically, the best he was going to get. But Bottas was clearly struggling. And I think that... Verstappen, he gets a little bit luckier maybe with the reaction against Bottas. He maybe stays in front of Bottas. Hamilton is struggling. Maybe he gets the early lead and then he's fighting Sainz up front instead of Hamilton, Bottas, Sainz. There's a real chance that the Red Bull stays there for at least another 20, 30 laps, at least close, I think. But it was tough. The Perez incident was, I think, a racing incident. It was, I think, judged well by the FIA on that one. And yeah, he struggled. And the likes of Gasly, you know, Kimi and whatnot were just doing a fantastic job. So... Verstappen got the most out of the race. I realistically think he would have got anyway. But I do think we have had more of a spicy fight towards the end of the race if he just got that little bit extra off the first couple of laps. What do you reckon, Harry? Because, I mean, it was a couple of seconds that Signs built up initially. Of course, they ate into that fairly quickly. But if it's a Red Bull rather than Signs in that spot, does he get a few more seconds advantage and make more of a race of it? Yeah, I, I, I would say he would. Um, if you look at the gap that... Bottas had over Verstappen at the end and consider where Verstappen was at the end of that first lap, first couple of laps. If he had been in Sainz's position, you know, maybe, as Sam said, towards the end of the actual race, we could have seen a spicy fight. Maybe not for the lead, but potentially for P2. Could have still been, I think, likely still P3 for Verstappen. But, uh, yeah, it was costly. And especially in, you know, in those sort of damp, cold conditions that we had at the very start, that's kind of where he excels. But obviously, uh, he lost out... To, to be fair, when he uh, when he it was chaos at the start. When he spun Perez, he was still kind of in third and fourth, and then yeah, I yeah. don't really know what happened after that. He just dropped back. It was just I don't know. Checking just, the car was all right, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it could have been difference between between P two and P three. But I still think the Mercs would have would have had it in the end. Yeah, I think the likelihood is that Max Verstappen would have finished P3 regardless of whether he had a good start or not. But I think he would have made a much better fight out of it just because if you think Verstappen, uh, it's tough to tell how a race will evolve, but just say that Verstappen takes the lead at the start there, Sainz is in P2. Sainz is then a bit of a buffer. You know, both Mercedes have to get past uh, Sainz. Uh, and Verstappen, I, I believe in that time, Verstappen would have opened up a few second advantage, maybe five seconds or so which doesn't sound like a lot, but when Verstappen came into the pits for the first time, which was before the Mercs obviously started on the softs, it was not a factor whatsoever. The Mercedes didn't have to respond to it at all. They could just let him get on with his race. They knew they had the gap. If he'd got that slight advantage at the start of the race, I think he would have, when Verstappen came into the pits, I think Bottas or Hamilton might have had to have responded to it. And if Bottas was coming in earlier than he needed to, we know his tyre management is a bit iffy, Maybe the end of that race, rather than 10 seconds at the flag or eight seconds at the flag, maybe it's only one or two seconds. Yeah, it's funny how a slight change in the, in the timeline can make the whole team think entirely different throughout the entire race. We've seen it before, haven't we? I mean, look at Silverstone, where Verstappen was there and the faster car on that hotter condition, that Hamilton and Bottas were constantly, what's Verstappen doing? How do we cut off Verstappen? How do we get rid of Verstappen? Whereas here, they were allowed to just run their own race. Not they cleared signs, it was... Mercedes v Mercedes from start to finish. So I think Verstappen edges in front. He's the only person on this whole track at the moment that is able to actually trouble those guys. And when he's not there, I mean, we saw what happened. It becomes an absolute victory fest for the Merc guys. This almost came unraveled yesterday by not qualifying on the mediums. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's where it all went. Obviously, he would have struggled on lap one today. But I think if you, again, like I said, I think he had a much better, well, I said to you probably watching it, He's having a much better second stint on the mediums compared to the hards, which, you know, fair enough, it should be better. Um, but I just think he would have been on more of an evil play, even playing uh, field if, if he'd been on the mediums and gone to the hards like the Mercs, which obviously couldn't do. Um, so, yeah, which, and yeah, I mean, fair play for Mercedes for seeing that it was 
and Ferrari. Well, oh. Mercedes and Ferrari for seeing that one. Strategy gods Ferrari, <laughs> as they are commonly known. Yeah, so fair play for them to, for spotting it, and Red Bull, who normally are pretty good at that, for not really cluing onto it, because they were they were quicker in Q1, where I think maybe Max used, used mediums, not sure. Anyway, um, yeah, it could have been a different story, but anyway, you, li- you live and learn. I think what happened with the strategy call in qualifying is, of course, Ferrari don't see themselves as a competitor with, with Mercedes. So they can go, we'll, we'll copy Mercedes, we'll look at the bulk strategy, we'll make it work. We've seen that Verstappen specifically, and Red Bull as a team, like to do an alternate switch to Mercedes to try and get a cut or to try and jump them at the start. So because of that, and they obviously don't know the data, we've never been to Portimao before, they look at that and think, Mercedes qualify the mediums. We'll go on the sauce. We'll get a better start. We'll jump them. We'll lead the race and we'll control the pace from there. Hasn't worked off because we're driving around an eight degree track temperature, which is almost unheard of in normal Formula One seasons. We tend to be kind of like the usual summer point wherever we are in the world. Very rarely do you get a really, really cold race day. And now the Eiffel GP at the Nürburgring, Portimao, and I think even when we go to Imola, it's going to be colder than usual. We're seeing a real change in how the tyres work. So I think. Red Bull may need to change up how they're approaching qualifying at the start of the race with their strategy calls to possibly get anything back off of the Mercedes guys. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, yeah, I would agree that Red Bull do often just do the opposite for the sake of it because they know they have to do something different in order to give themselves the best chance of victory. I would put more of the more of the credit almost on Ferrari rather than Mercedes just because theoretically at nearly every Grand Prix it is better to start on the mediums than the softs. It just so happens at Portimao, it was much, much better to start on the mediums than the softs. Mercedes do it a lot of the time. Ferrari don't do it a lot of the time. In normal circumstances, we'd laugh at it and say, there's no chance, what are you doing? Yeah. So it was very, very good strategic from Sebastian there. Sebastian Vettel, actually. Yeah. Or you look at Sebastian Vettel, though, and if, if his teammate can do it, mm. yeah, I think the question has to be asked more towards Vettel, yeah. specifically, than, than Ferrari. has proven he has got the talent of a racing god at the moment. And Sebastian Vettel, the four-time champ, third in the all-time win record, is qualifying behind George Russell in 15th place. That's more on his ability, I think, than the actual strategy call. They tried to do it, but it just shows that he just simply doesn't have that ability at the moment in that car. And I think this this kind of brings us nicely on to the next point of Portimao itself and, and what sort of a track it is and how it fits in on the calendar and how it's been... Uh, ushered in for this one year only we would lead to believe um, and how yeah out of season tracks and how that works um, you know the tyres they use the C3 to C5 range which they've done before but the way in which it worked with that track um, they don't have data previously and this this yeah this works into how they qualified as well even with the three practice sessions without any previous year's data it's very interesting to see um, I mean what do you make Sam of, of having these races outside of the normal seasons and perhaps having more variety on the calendar going forward. I mean, I love it. The excitement is always going to be there, isn't it? We, we've got the same with the Jello. I, I personally thought the Jello was going to be a snooze fest. I mean, there weren't a lot of actual on-track overtakes, but there was a lot of close racing. When there were overtakes, people had to get them done manually. I mean, you look at the fight that we had between Perez and Ocon today in Portimao. Incredible battle, side-by-side, about half a lap. And the Jello was much of the same. When you did get side-by-side, it was brilliant dueling. So, Interesting tracks create interesting racing, as we've seen, that is proven. When they're off-season, Pirelli haven't got the tyre data to make them work in the normal way that they should. Cars can't read exactly what needs to be done. And of course, we don't know the best strategy when to pit, when the tyres are going to drop off, what's the best overlap, what's the best underlap. We don't understand that difference. And I think we should definitely try and rotate the calendar a little bit. Let's not start in Australia in the peak summer. Let's start somewhere else where actually it's a bit cooler. You know, We're at Melbourne when it's just starting to come into the warmest period of the year for, for that, that area of the world, why don't we start in Silverstone in March, where actually it's a bit cooler, there's a chance of rain, let's kick it off in Europe. You never know what might happen. I'd also be in favour of, at the end of each season, teams having to delete their previous data and not use it when coming to each weekend and having to start completely fresh. And at least that gives a proper reason to free practice. If we're going to have those three practice sessions... At least use them then to gather that data and try and create the best strategy possible you can there. Because otherwise, it does become the same thing year in, year out when you turn up to a track because you've got decades of data at this point. I think places like Albert Park, you know what the best strategy is and you've used those pretty tires and you know how it works. Delete that data. Mentally, yes, you've got some experience. You've got nothing written down. You've got to go and gather that all over again. I'd really be in favour of off-season races within reason. Let's not go into the Arctic 
and then no data allowed at the start of a Grand Prix weekend. You have to do it again yourself. Dear Mr. Carey, Silverstone in December, please. <laughs> kind regards. Late breaking. Um, <laughs> make it happen. Uh, yeah, so the, the uncertainty did lead to some of the, the points that we've already raised, uh, Harry. Do, do you think that sort of Sam's line of thinking with spicing up the calendar, even same races, but at different times of year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's two out of two for races we've never been to before being good. So it's it's clearly, you know, lack of data. Look, yeah, we didn't have the data to know that the soft tyres would be good on that one and not for the rest of the race. So then we had that we had that race. So, um, yeah, I'd be all, all for it. And like you say, having having it at different times of the of the year, you know, we had even like Silverstone in, in August, where it's potentially a bit hotter that second weekend. I mean, both weekend tyres are an issue, obviously, with the punctures the first time round. Second weekend, Verstappen looked after his tyres better. So, yeah, just let's mix it up. I know, you know, it's easy for us to say and logistically maybe it's more difficult. But if any, if this year's shown anything, it can be done. We can go to all, maybe not all corners, but most corners of the earth at yeah. whatever time we want to. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I'd hazard a guess of the races we have at Imola, Turkey, uh barring an outer loop to 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 an extent will still be as good as the ones we've had sorry if i've just jinxed that let's hope i mean abu dhabi's yet to come and looking at you Catalonia, that was still a snooze fest yeah i mean well yeah. I, I just don't even regard abu dhabi to me <laughs> to me if barring uh you know outer loop is the finale and then i'm going for a nap when yeah abu yeah on. yeah fair so, enough now, I was actually going to bring up Catalonia and say that even putting Catalonia at a different time of year That's wasn't fair. enough to spice yeah, it up. But, but the sentiment is good. Like yeah. Catalonia in August compared to in May, massive difference. Nürburgring, the cold temperatures we saw there. Really interesting to see how the teams responded to that. Um, getting the tyres warmed up today was a real problem. Changeable conditions to a, to a degree. You know, having even slight rain yeah. caused some drama at the start, and later on Sprinklers. didn't quite happen. But you know, having Port, having Portimao in in October, if if we had this race in July, it would have been a you know probably full sunshine all the way through, no questions whatsoever, yeah. and it would have worked the same as every other European race. But yeah, I, I think logistically it is difficult because you want to do sort of all of the time zones relatively in the same amount of time. But having some late season and early season European races, I think would really cause the teams to think a bit more. And I wouldn't have any problem with them changing that up, you know, as they probably will with the likes of Bahrain, you know, Bahrain's going to nearly close the season this year. And if, you know, if we're led to believe the calendar next year will be something back to normal, it will probably be very close to the start next year. So I've got no problem in doing that sort of thing. I think it could make it very interesting. And Algarve itself, I think proved itself. It was a really good race. The Perez Ocon racing was fantastic. Yeah. I think if they return here with the newer cars, if they work as expected, fingers crossed, we could get more racing like that. I think perhaps they need to assess how much DRS you get on the first, uh, the, the main straight, and introducing DRS possibly on the other straight, at least for the time being whilst it's necessary. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with the race. Um, just need to sort out the drains a bit. But yeah. other, other than that. Yeah. Oh, it's a minor issue though, isn't it? Yeah. A bit yeah, of a drain yeah. on the system. No one's up. It's fine. <laughs> All right, let's move on to driver of the day. Who have you got, Sam? Um, yeah, I mean, there were some real stunning drives. Sergio Perez, I think it's a racing incident. I don't think it's his fault. I don't think it's Max's fault. I mean, Perez did the right thing to try and go around the outside. It just happened to not be as much room as he thought it happened. The charge from a century last place and stopping to get all the way up to fifth. He only got jumped on the last couple of laps by those two guys. He finished in seventh place. Brilliant, brilliant drive for Sergio Perez. 100%. If, you, if anyone says Sergio Perez, I can agree with that. I can get on board with it. Another one, Pierre Gasly. Just looks so good at the moment. He's up there for me, I think, for driver of the season currently. And it has proved it again today. Pace in, in bundles for, for Pierre Gasly. You absolutely love to see that. Charles Leclerc, again, brilliant job from Charles Leclerc. Not too far off Max Verstappen. Definitely the best of the rest after the top three by country mile when his teammates, a four-time world champ, can barely scrape into the points. Lucky to get one point today. And Lewis Hamilton, 92 race wins, 25 seconds over his teammate. The biggest win margin we've seen all season. Put Bottas to shame a little bit, uh, this Grand Prix. I'm going to give it to Perez just because I absolutely love the ability. But I think Hamilton for me is about 1% behind and then it's Gasly. But all incredible drives. All right, Perez gets it for Sam. What are you, Harry? A couple of those I agree with. But 
I'm just going to have to give it to Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Fair enough. No pensioner should be able to do that on lap one of a GP. It's just not It's just not allowed. It's filthy. Absolutely. Absolutely filthy. Absolute filth from Kimstead. But yeah, I agree. Perez was stunning. Uh, so was Gasly. But yeah. And, and to be fair, Kimi, you know, he obviously dropped back a fair bit from where he jumped up to at the start. But he held his own. Didn't get a point in the end. Beat Albon. He did beat Albon. He did beat Albon. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> I don't know who that says more about, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to get Kimster because that's just, you know, he's an old man now and he was making everyone look silly at the start. Even people on soft tyres. Yeah. Not just on mediums. So. That's, that's true. I'll yeah. go for Kimmy purely, purely for that, but Hamilton, Perez, Gasly. That's the first time since we've done the podcast that someone's given Kimmy Raikkonen a drive of the day. Yeah. Quite possibly. Oh, congratulations, Kimmy. You've made it into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And not only that, you've actually got your own topic later on, Kimmy Raikkonen, so congratulations. We'll also be talking Albon, unsurprisingly, so stay tuned for that. But driver of the day, um, Kimmy Raikkonen, yeah, like you say, sensational. If you haven't seen his onboard first lap, do go out of your way because it is worth your time. It's... He went out of his way. I, I mean, the, the comment was it, it looked like he was racing against the worst possible AI on an F1 game, which is possibly the most accurate yeah. description of it. Um, I'm not going to give it to him, but yeah, he's definitely in contention. Names you've already mentioned. Perez, Gasly, Hamilton, all superb. I'm going to give it to Charles Leclerc. Um, oh, yeah, he, was, cool. he was 30 seconds away from fifth place. That's in a Ferrari, which we've seen at parts this season has not really been much stronger than the bottom three teams. You know, Vettel had a solid race, but he was still P10. Um, Charles, he's six places above his teammate. Excellent qualifying performance yet again. Held his own. He did a good job at the at the start. Obviously lost four positions at the start, which wasn't perfect, but he did enough not to... Um... Again, so I think a lot of people... Exactly. It's not like he was the only one to have that issue. Yes, exactly. And I think there was the potential to lose out even more. He did enough to stay in contention with those soft runners so he could get them back in the next few laps. Um, so he avoided, essentially, that's what he had to do, knowing what we know now is avoid disaster at the start. Because um, once that happened, the mediums came into their own and he was able to pick drivers off in a Ferrari, which has not really picked off many drivers this year. <laughs> uh, he did a really good job. I was so impressed. Be a, be a pit stop and a half ahead of a fifth place guy in a car like that. Yeah, yeah, driver of the day for that. That, that car is still down on power as well because we saw him try to pick someone up that <laughs> straight. Oh, yeah. And then he pulled out of the slipstream and then it's like, nope. You ain't going forward today, Sunshine. So, yeah, fair. Yeah. And if people don't think that Charles Leclerc is already brilliant and hasn't got the potential to be a superstar in F1, I will debate you. Um, actually, no, I'll fight you. <laughs> I believe in it that much. <laughs> worst driver of the day, Sam, have you got? Oh, worst driver of the day. Now, I reckon a lot of people will say Bottas, and I'm not going to say Bottas. Bottas did not have a good drive, but we discussed this while we were watching the race together, which is a novelty for us. Bottas still managed to do what Bottas needs to do for his team. He came in behind his teammate and brought home the maximum amount of points for Mercedes. So fair play, yet against his teammate, he was not good. But overall, against the rest of the race, he did a good enough job. If you look at the other side of that top battle, Verstappen, the man in third place, Albon finished behind... Vettel, Albon started in what sixth place? Uh, yeah, he finished behind Vettel, who started in 15th place, and Kimi Raikkonen, who started even further behind that, and Perez, who was 20th, <laughs> who was the wrong way round on the first lap. We're going to talk about it in a little bit, but that for me was the nail in the coffin for Albon at Red Bull. It was disastrous. That is by far for me the worst drive of the day. Also, shout out to Ocon, hang on a minute, he went 54 laps on. Medium tyres and still beat his teammate. Fifth place he finished. Based on the evidence as well, I'm sure he'd have loved to have kept going with those mediums until like the last yeah. lap where he could pit for softs. So sorry to cut the worst run of the day, but Ocon also deserves a shout. But yeah, for me, Albon, worst run of the day. Agreed. Someone else, Harry? Uh, I mean, Albon was not great. <laughs> <laughs> great uh, assessment. Thank but, you. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Danny Kvyat because I, I think he might have only just finished the race. Oh, yeah. Just come across the line. Just come across the line now. Yeah. He I'm... was miles away. <laughs> oh, hang on. I'm getting official confirmation. Yes, he has crossed the line. Well done, Daniel. Oh, congrats, Danny. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we're talking about gaps between teammates, etc., that that's a whopper between Gasly and Kvyat. Um, I'll throw Lance Stroll into the mix as well for not using Shocking. his mirrors. Um, 
What an idiot. He loves to be taken out at turn one. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll go Kvyat because that was just no good. I know he got whacked with a penalty, but then it was his own fault. So, uh, yeah, Danny, mate, sort your life out. In terms of contenders, I would raise this, the same names. Um, yeah. Albon, you got lapped by his teammate. You can't get lapped by your teammate in a race where you haven't been unfortunately hit off or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, Bottas, yeah, n- not a great race for him, um, but still P2. So, yeah, um, I'm not going to give it to him either. Uh, Kvyat is, is an obvious contender too. I am going to give it to Lance Stroll. Um, just because Perez was able to show what he could do, going all the way down to last, having a pit stop straight away, yeah. coming back into the race, very nearly holding on to P5, but still getting solid points. Um, you know, I've, I've got no doubt that with his tyre saving skills, He'd have been, he'd have been in a probably P five behind Leclerc, if not ahead of him. Um, so Perez did did a great job, and Stroll, by contrast, we we commented on this in the race that those that started outside the top ten, who had a free choice of tire, and nearly all of them went for the mediums, apart from Goat Kimmy, <laughs> they all were in a great position, as you know, as as uh, you know, Vettel kind of demonstrated, and a few others, Ocon demonstrated. Yeah. Stroll was demonstrating that as well. Yeah, he was picking off the soft runners and you think, okay, he's got a real chance to finish in around P5, P6 in around where Gasly was. And then he ruined it for himself, yeah. you know. Um, and that practice incident, I put that on I put that on Verstappen. But I said, I said at the time, if it was a race condition, I'd put it on Stroll. Um and lo and behold, the same there thing happened. Go. Only one person has been punted off at turn one this weekend. And he's and managed it, it twice. But, it, but it's Lance Stroll. So he, he is the technically the only person has first-hand experience and Verstappen, I guess, that it's a pinch point in turn one if someone's on your inside. It didn't leave the space. It's fair. And we saw it a few times later yeah. in the race. Two guys go through there and make it happen, make it work. It's a fast corner. Yeah, The all, guy on the inside's going to struggle. All of the time, they all left the space. Yeah. Apart from Lance Stroll, who was the one victim of it previously. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Um, it was really this point because I do think he was in a great position yeah. to score points. And Sergio Perez is showing what he can do. And Stroll's had a fairly good season, don't get me wrong, but Stroll's Stroll's got the seat next year and Perez hasn't. He needs to needs to start showing that it was the right call. Which that, that drive from yeah. Perez was what I expected if someone like Hamilton ended up being dropped to the back. He's shown pace that I don't think that racing point actually has the ability to cut through that track. I think the off season stuff helped, the tyres helped. But what a demonstration from Sergio. If that isn't an advert of sign me up. I don't know what it is. I, I still like it was incredible. I'm still baffled how he, how how he was I, in that position. I couldn't work <laughs> it out. He gained about twenty seconds in like two laps because he was facing the wrong way. And I know everyone was quite slow on the first couple of laps. But he was facing the wrong way. Came back around. It's not like he had to make up that gap, and he did. Then went into the pits. Yeah, and then made up the gap. See, I I was for a time convinced that the graphic was wrong and, and that he hadn't pits. Yeah, I couldn't work out how he'd managed to do it. Baffling. Anyway, um, moment of the race. Apart from being with your two best friends, Sam, that, for the record, that's me and Harry. Oh, okay. What was your moment of the race? Um, Carlos Sainz taking the lead was pretty <sighs> spectacular. I think that that laid down everything we want F1 to be. It was what we've been looking for for so long, for someone to just cut through and take the lead like that. The, the mixture of the cold, slightly damp track, the tyres not working, a new track... A car that hasn't won for God knows how long now, jumping into the front. It was it was a glimmer of what F1 maybe with the new regulations in a year and a half's time really could be like. And I'm excited for it. So science, fantastic performance. That moment was just brilliant. Moment of the race, Harry? Uh on the Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm on the same kind of thought train. That's you know what F1 could be like. All the time. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but I get all the time. Uh, yeah, that was just... And not a DRS pass. And it was just side-by-side stuff, switchbacks, all of that. Oh, and also Kimi Raikkonen switched back in the hell out of... <gasps> it was, I don't know, give Oh, I can't even remember who it was, was against. It, it was signs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was against oh. uh, see, old man knows what he's doing. I, I did say at the time, I don't think he's performing a switchback in about five years, but <laughs> fair play to him. It wasn't called a switchback when he, when he used to do it. It's called the over and under. Yeah, I uh, remember those old days back in the 70s. Turning down his sheets. <laughs> uh, my moment of the race also involves Kimi Raikkonen. And I love the, mo- I love the moment of Sainz taking the lead yeah. and the start that he got. But it was all on camera, you know. Sainz got the lead. Um, 
for the record, everyone, I wear glasses because I looked to the left and saw the the tower and saw that Kimi Raikkonen was seventh. <laughs> but of course, the camera wasn't catching this. It was, it was catching signs taking the lead. The glasses were off. Give him a good old clean. <laughs> Go within one metre of the TV. No, nope, that definitely says Kimi seventh. Yeah, that it was, was mad. I, I couldn't quite believe that was right. Um, what, what a start he made. Yeah, just his start in general. Good race. I'm quite shocked at how good the race was. I've... It was Porter a great now. race. Porter, now do it again, please. Yeah. Okay, it was a great race, but it wasn't a great race for one driver. Valtteri Bottas, fastest in FP1, oh. fastest in FP2, Oof. fastest in FP3. Q1, guess what? He was fastest. He was fastest in Q2 as well. And then he wasn't fastest in Q3. Well, he giving was up for the like well, a minute. Sure. He was for all of Q3, but the last lap. Lewis Hamilton <laughs> pipped him in qualifying. Valtteri Bottas does get the lead in the race, but then concedes it and, and doesn't doesn't win the race, obviously. So it's a bit of a classic Valtteri Bottas session, really. It was a classic weekend for him. Do you think, well, focus on the positives. Do you think that was Hamilton's and anyone's best victory of the season? Oh, I think that was pure vintage like world champion right if you if you were to put the greatest of all times on the list whatever way you want to have it we've said this many times it doesn't matter where you have them but as long as you have certain people in it that is what you expect from someone on that list it's a tough start it's difficult to get through the conditions are all over the place he did not have a great start after the first couple of corners right he dropped back i think to third or fourth place at one point and he just pulled something out of the bag and it was just like something magical happened and he was like right I'm going to do it now and the gap between him and Bottas got to about two and a half seconds at one point and I think we even commented Bottas has got this now that's a big enough gap that he can manage this to Hamilton and all of a sudden it was Bono my tyres my tyres aren't working and we're like oh right yeah 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 and I said I think that's I think that's a sign I think I think actually he's playing a game and then the next lap fastest lap of the race the next lap fastest lap of the race the next lap Fastest up in the race. The camera cuts. Hamilton is two tenths away from Bottas. Sails past him. Hamilton was almost like he was in a different type of car. It was so, so good. And when some of Hamilton's calibre is so on it in that kind of race, I don't know who can stop. You have to line up all the greatest of all times of one grid to actually make it possible for actually a fair competition there. Bottas was very good. And I think, as we saw, if Bottas was on his own, Bottas would have probably won that race quite comfortably. But he wasn't. He was with Lewis Hamilton, who was having one of his best days. And I can't deny that I think Hamilton will probably be anyone in the other car today. Do you think that this was evidence of the tyre management difference between Bottas and Hamilton and how good they are respectively at that skill? Uh, yeah, I just I just think... The thing is, with most races, Bottas wins. He gets in front and he just stays there. He doesn't normally come from behind and win. But there's two in a row now that he's... Got, got in front, or been in front, and lost. Excuse me. <coughs> I'll edit that out. Um, yeah, and I just think Hamilton was on one today, and yeah, like, I agree with Sam. If Even if Verstappen had been in that other Mercedes, I'm not sure he would have been in. I think just Hamilton was on a, in, another, in another zone. We just saw the amount of times he smashed the fastest lap, just kept going yeah. and going. Um, yeah, um, I mean, just... We've said it so many times, there's not much more Bottas can do, I don't think. He's doing, and you know, like you said, Ben, it's so tough being a Bottas fan. Because <laughs> he's, so, he's so quick, he's such a quick driver, um, but he's just up against a, an even quicker one. And it, I don't, there's not much more he can do about it, even when he smashes the start like he did today. So, yeah, poor Walter. But uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to touch touch Lewis today. Yeah, I I think in terms of in terms of skill, obviously Hamilton's incredibly skilled, but it's not his skill that makes him one of the absolute greatest of all time. It's that he's able to use that skill and harness it when he needs to. Um, you know, we see Bottas fastest in practice sessions so often, and he has got the pace. He's got a very similar pace to Lewis Hamilton, particularly in a short stint. But over these long stints, when Lewis Hamilton needs to pull it out of the bag, he just does. And he does time and time again. And I'm I'm really glad that he he broke the record today, obviously. Um, I didn't really mind either way whether he broke it or not. You know, he, he deserves it, no doubt about that whatsoever. But I'm really glad that he did so on a race where he, re- he pulled it out of the bag 
it was an excellent performance from him. I would probably say it's his best performance since winning at Hungary last season. I don't think, I don't know if there's been a better race from Hamilton since that point because the gap that he was able to open up was seriously impressive. Even on a bad day, it's usually 10 seconds Bottas-Hamilton difference or so. It's very rarely 20, 25 um, as it was there. So yeah, a really impressive performance from Hamilton. It's it's really tough for Valtteri Bottas. He does have the hardest job in F1. I really do believe that. He he was quick, but ultimately a race where tyre conservation was so important. I just don't think Bottas in that department stands any chance against Lewis Hamilton. And it showed out there. I mean, Bottas has played that price a couple of times in time management, hasn't he? And I, we spoke about it in our seven best drivers on the grid thing. I, I said, you know, I, I got mocked a little because both Hamilton and Bottas got a, a puncture, but Hamilton got a puncture halfway around the last lap and was able to win the race because of his tyre management being better. Bottas lost out on any points. And that's the difference between a world champ and a second place in the championship. And I think that Bottas needs to do what Hamilton did almost at the start of his career and start to harness each individual element of what it takes to be a race winner. His Saturday performances are there. I think Bottas regularly will be able to be close enough that he's got a chance at leading the race after turn one. That's okay. His starts aren't amazing. Work on them. Hamilton was awful at starts about three, four seasons ago in comparison to his teammate. It's one of his best attributes now. He's brilliant at starting. You know, consistency on the tyre wear. Bottas has just been poor. We've said that, but Bottas has just been so poor on those tyre wear. And then wheel-to-wheel racing. We saw it next to Stappen today. It was good. He got the elbows out. He forced it for Stappen just to the point of it being fair. But so regularly, Hamilton will just breeze past Bottas. Where was the fight? Into, oh, excuse me. Where was the fight into turn one? Get one emotion over a 90 second victory. Oh, it's oh. fair. It's fair. He oh. needs to start off his game. Hamilton does it every season. If Hamilton wasn't there, Bottas would be a world champ. But, yeah. Oh, Bottas, you could be so much more. I, I mean, just take Lewis Hamilton out of the equation. And he, he would well, be. exactly. Well, he wouldn't have been last season. Last season, you would have been season oh. before. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought the came second last season. Did he? Mm. I'm pretty certain. Oh no! Oh no! I think he did. Oh, he did. Oh, oh, he did. No. oh, oh no! Oh no! The season before he did. Okay. Well, this year he would. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but what's going to happen now? We've got Imola and Istanbul, and then the first race at Bahrain. So Bottas is going to win all three of those and get the fastest lap. And he's got a one-point lead then. And he's got a one-point lead because Hamilton's going to DNF for all three of them. <laughs> Two races to go, championship on. Can't wait to see it. Love it. Optimistic uh, thinking? That's very optimistic. Please, race cards. Just a bit. Dear Mr. Carey, it's Ben again. Um, <laughs> anyway, should we move on to a much brighter topic? And that is the excellent performance of Alexander Alban. Yes, it was um, just jaw-dropping. So Alex Alban, as you said, Sam, started sixth place, ended up finishing outside of the points, P12, just behind Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel, who claimed the final point. Um, Two-stop race for Alban, didn't work out for him, ended up getting lapped not only by the race leader, but also by third place for Stappen, his teammate. We know that Red Bull are basing their decision across these few races, more specifically probably this one and Imola, maybe Istanbul as well. Is there anything that Albon can do at the next race that can save his seat, do you think? I mean... Win? Win. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't want to sound ridiculous, but I think it's all but gone for Albon. And Albon would need to have a race where the Staffan finishes maybe third or fourth on pure pace, no issues. And somehow Albon doesn't just beat the Staffan on pace, he beats one of the Mercs. I think then, if he does that a couple of times, and he can't even do it once, because it's not consistent enough, he'd have to do it two or three times to really show he's ready. And I can't see him putting out a performance of that calibre within two races. Not after what we've seen. Um, we saw an interesting stat that after, was it 12 races? I think Albon only had one more point than what Gasly had during their respective seasons yeah. at Red Bull. And people are way kinder on Albon than they were on Gasly. People were lynching Gasly. Get him out of that seat. It's, a, it's awful. It's a waste. What's the point? And every time now, Albon hasn't got the same car as Verstappen. Albon's driving the worst car. You know, Albon, be, be nice to Albon, sweetie. Red Bull are just toxic. It's like, where was this calling for Gasly? And look at what Gasly's doing. Look at, is Gasly in front of Albon in the points now? It feels like he should be after the performances he's been having. I mean, you need to treat drivers equally. And Albon has been for, performing as badly as what Gasly did in that Red Bull. Neither were great. 
So either you need to be annoyed at Red Bull to change their environment and how they treat that second driver and the expectations that are given to that driver, or Albon now has to go or win like the next few races, which is never going to happen. So for me, I don't think you can realistically do anything. I, th- I think the big problem, and we've discussed this, is that Gasly's reference point was Ricardo yeah, against tough. Verstappen, and Albon's reference point is Gasly. Yeah. So obviously it looks more favourable in that sense. Harry, do you think that one point that was touched on in the race was that once in clean air, once Verstappen had lapped Albon, there wasn't actually a great deal between them in terms of pace. And it seems to be that his qualifying performances and his bad starts are, are working against him, putting him in the midfield scrap and, and Verstappen's just able to extend the game. Do you think that's the main problem for Albon right now? Uh, yeah, I would go with, with yes. <laughs> because... You know, we've seen it in other races, like, you know, Mugello, where he got the podium. Again, his qualifying wasn't amazing, and he had to make overtakes to get that podium. And yes, it was fortunate because, you know, Verstappen was already out of the race, etc. We lost about half the field. <laughs> um, but his rate, his race pace is his strongest thing, and it's the it's the bad quality. Even, you know, and yesterday was still, he should have been fourth, he was sixth. Um it, you know, but he's still there or thereabouts. But then a bad start then compounds that even makes it even worse. So, um, yeah, it's just a, that's a poor combination of things to be bad at qualifying and bad. At least if you're Lance Stroll, you're bad at qualifying, but you're goat at starts. Yeah, he is goat Stroll for starting. So king. At least at least you've got that. Uh, you know that skill. But Albon doesn't seem to have either of them, which is which is tricky because then he's got to make up a load in the race, and it's too much. He's, not, he's only good do. after about lap 20. Well, he's finally on his own. Just set, get when going. he gets settled down, yeah, it's just the starts which are a bit frantic. I wouldn't be surprised if he has got the statistic for places lost um, at the start of a race most times um, this season so far. All of them. Yeah. People, like we've discussed this multiple times. People praise his overtaking ability. He shouldn't have to be making those overtakes. Yeah. He shouldn't be beaten by those people in those cars. If Verstappen's challenging Bottas and Hamilton and possibly going to take the, whip, the, the lead... Alba's being overtaken by Norris, Sainz, Stroll, Perez, and having to re-overtake him in a much superior car. You should be praising someone for that. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, his overtaking has been solid enough in previous races, but out there today, Portimao, he, he was stuck behind Raikkonen for a large number of laps. Oh, no one's getting past Raikkonen. <laughs> With that Ferrari engine. I already said he met oh, his basket. Jeez, there's, there's not too many excuses. I, I, I would say that the qualifying is the root of the problem and I think if he sorts that out I'm not saying it would completely transform but it would definitely go a long way because ultimately you know Verstappen a lot of the time Bottas and Hamilton will be out first and second Verstappen's got loads of clean air to work with and he can go essentially as fast as he can go Albon is having to overtake all of these cars and regardless whether they're successful or not he's still taking more time in doing so so it is it's unrealistic to expect a car in traffic to outpace a car that's not in traffic but he shouldn't be in traffic in the first place. That's the issue. So he needs to sort out the qualifying performances first and foremost. The starts, I have a little bit of sympathy because I don't think that Red Bull is very good at starts because Verstappen hasn't been great, although he has been better than Albon at starts. Um, in terms of what he needs to do, um, I don't know if Red Bull are just saying this to motivate Albon or, or whatnot, but the next few races, including this one, should not in any way decide Albon's future for me because Red Bull don't need someone who can pull out a performance after not pulling out 10 consecutive good performances. They need someone who is consistent across a season. Whether they keep him or not should be based on when he started last season till now. You know, that's a much more, it's much more of a representative sample. You know, it's everything that he's done at Red Bull. If he he does one good performance at Imola or or did one good performance here at Portimao, I don't think that should decide whether he keeps the seat or not. They don't need that. They need someone who is much more consistent. So I don't think he's done enough for the role, especially when you have got strong free agents like Nico Hülkenberg and more specifically Sergio Perez, who I think deserves the seat. And Grosjean. And Roman Grosjean. <laughs> Kevin Magnussen's in line. I, I think he's probably too good for the Red Bull seat, to be honest. But Imagine box office and Verstappen in the same team. Oh, my God. It'd be a question of which one would kill the other one first. Yeah, yeah through pure blunt force. I've just looked it up here because we didn't get to see it on the tracks. So we wanted to jump onto the podcast. But um, Verstappen is now on 162 points after the race we've just had in Portugal. Albon is now in eighth place in the driver's standings on 64 points. Of course, didn't gain any this race. Pierre Gasly is on 63 in ninth place. So Gasly is actually one point behind Albon in a much inferior car. 
Albon is also only seven points ahead of Lance Stroll in 11th place in the, in the Constructors' Championship. So, one more points, like a points finish, one top five finish for Lance Stroll, he could be outside the top 10 and over 100 points away from his teammate. I don't know. <laughs> There's a solid driver in there. Um, and I think he could do a good job in F1 for years to come. I don't know if that's a Red Bull or not, but he just needs to work out that qualifying. Because I think, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't think that would immediately transform everything. But that's step one. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll ever be as quick as Verstappen. I think he can work at his game. I think he could be at his absolute optimum for the rest of his career. He is not on Verstappen's level. But that's okay. Bottas isn't on Hamilton's level, exactly. and that's fine. He just needs to be that, that Bottas to Hamilton. And until he gets the qualifying sorted, but Bottas definitely has, it's not going to happen. That's that. I mean... Going from, from Albon, though, to, to Kimi Raikkonen, because he does deserve his topic on the podcast after what was not only an excellent first lap, but just generally an excellent Grand Prix. Yeah. You know, he, he did a great stint on the softs that no one really liked after the first few laps um, and did a good job of conserving the tyres until the end. Didn't get any points, but I think that was more down to the, the race itself. I think if there were a few more retirements from the from the top few guys, he would have found his way in there, similar to Grosjean at, at the Nürburgring kind of thing. Um, Still going to mention that. Did I predict that? <laughs> God, can't remember that. But thank you for reminding me, Harry. That, that was great of you. Uh, <laughs> What, what what did you make of um what, what did you make of Kimi Raikkonen's race? Did it show enough for you? Because there are rumours that he will be reinstated at Alfa Romeo next year. Do you think that shows that there's still life in the old dog yet? I think so, and I think that this well that start and, or, and this performance as a whole combined with um, Monza restart of Monza um, shows that he he's you know we know Kimi you know, he doesn't look enthusiastic or sound enthusiastic or act act enthusiastic. But he is—he just loves racing. He loves that today. What he did on lap one, he loves it. <laughs> That's all he wants to do is just drive fast cars and race other people. And again, same same with what we saw in Monza. He just loved battling people. And you know, his car's not the fastest, but the wily old fox that he is, I don't know what he did to the tires to make sure <laughs> that they were working. But they were working at that at that start today. So, um, you know, and he, and he held on to just missing out on the point. But um, yeah, I think that was more of an encouraging performance from Kimi. Uh, it looks like they're going to keep him and Giovinazzi anyway, which whether we agree with that or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't, if Kimi's happy to stay, then they'll, they'll keep him, I think, just for the experience that he has and um, for the knowledge he'll, I think he'll help to bring for 2022. I would have, we don't know the, whether Mick or Schumacher or any of the rookies will be in that second seat next year, but it would make sense to plonk one alongside him. Um, and he's, you know, performances like today show that he's, he does still have it purely all down to that switch back on signs. <laughs> I'm still fully expecting for a video at some point to come out where Kimi Raikkonen before the race start has actually got a Bunsen burner and just putting it to his tyres just to keep him warm. Uh, that's the only explanation for how quick he was at the start, like right? Spot. Yeah. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out at some point. Uh, what, what did you make of Kimmy's performance, Sam? Because, I mean, I would say it's his best. It didn't get any points, but that was that was a great performance. I've been fairly critical of Kimmy Reichen on this season. I, I think it's fair to be critical of Kimmy Reichen so far this season. He hasn't been groundbreaking. She even actually beating him over the cross of the season at the moment. Um, and yet, Kimmy seems to be the favourite to possibly keep his seat. But here at Portimao, it was a great performance from him. You know, qualifying was not great. But the recovery on that one and then the consistency in the drive for the rest was fantastic. He kept a red ball behind him the entire race. He was battling with Semi there in a, in a car where his teammate, best teammate, Leclerc, was able to finish fourth. He was on the brink of points. I do think he was flattered slightly by the Lance Stroll and Norris incident that allowed him to go from probably what would be maybe a P13, P14, up to very close to being in the points. Same with Sebastian Vettel. Um, but it was, a good, it was a good drive from, from Kimi. And it was great to see... Unfortunately, one good performance does not mean you get to keep your seat next season. And unfortunately, for Kimmy, I feel like the last 12 months have not been enough to ensure that he gets a, a, another seat for another year in Formula 1. When you've got people like 
Callum Eilert, who might never actually end up in a Formula 1 seat, and I think thoroughly deserve it. Mick Schumacher will probably get it if he wins the title this season. But again, if that's delayed by a year, because 503-year-old Kimi Räikkönen just likes doing it as a hobby, uh, yes, fine. I guess that if he wants to do it, he should get to do it. But at the same time, move over a little bit. Come on, you've had a very long time. Make way. Um... So I don't think he should carry on in that seat. It looks like he's going to. But it was nice to see a bit of fight from him, a bit of fire in the belly from Kimmy. And if he carries it on for the rest of the season, brilliant. That is brilliant because that's the Kimmy we love. But I can't quite see it happening. It, it shows that there's still something in there. It does. Um, even if he can't produce that consistently enough to warrant a driver, it's good to see that from him. That first lap, even though I'm sure he would have been completely straight-faced, poke-faced, he would have been absolutely loving it. It's awesome. It, it was such, it was such a good first lap. But yeah, the rest of the performance matched it as well. It wasn't just that first lap. Ultimately, you know, with these Alfa Romeos and Hasses and Williams, there's not really much point in looking at the points tallies because it is just a question of who gets lucky on the race where the most people out front retire, really. You know, Giovinazzi got lucky in the first race at Austria and ended up in the points. That's why he's currently 3-2 ahead. Of uh, of Raikkonen, same with Kubica last year against Russell. You know, I would Oosh. say Giga Giga Kubica. I would say Magnussen's been better than Grosjean this year. If you look at the points, Grosjean's two one up. I, I wouldn't look at the points very much um, to indicate as to who's been the better driver. For me, yeah, this performance by itself does not tell me that Kimi Raikkonen should have a seat next year. Um, he needs to show way more. Uh, and ultimately, when Ferrari do have such a thriving academy at the moment, there are so many guys that the can take... they have going for. Exactly. There isn't much, but that's one of them. <laughs> the, you know, they need seats somewhere. Um, and th- th- it's not as if it, th- they should be just like a, a training ground for the Ferrari drivers, but there is a benefit for, for Alpha to have them as well because they are quality drivers. Um, you know, Charles Leclerc benefited from being at Sauber, um, but Sauber benefited from Charles Leclerc being there because he brilliant performances in so there's definitely potential not only for ferrari but for the team itself to have one of these guys you know raikkonen and a younger raikkonen and schumacher raikkonen and isla that would work well enough i think honestly i think giovinazzi's not shown enough for me to convince that he has a long-term successful career i i was happy enough for him to have this season after last season but i don't think he's progressed quite enough um but yeah raikkonen for me, at that stage in his career, the only benefit to having a Raikkonen is if he can impart some of that knowledge on someone like Giovinazzi or a young driver. And if you don't think Giovinazzi is going to make it, then Raikkonen's kind of wasting his time. Uh, well, is Raikkonen using his time? That's the thing. Is well, no, Raikkonen... not Raikkonen. Sorry, the the team are wasting yeah. their time by having Raikkonen yeah. almost. Um, if if that's going to be his best benefit to being in that seat. But yeah, it was great to see. I, I I do, yeah. It makes you remember old school Kimmy. Yes, and that was fantastic. Oh seven Kimmy. Bois, please come back. Bois. With a bois, a bois, and another bois, we'll, we'll round off the, the podcast. Uh, the there. Rare, rarely seen triple bois. Yeah, Lake Walking is back. <laughs> the holy trinity of bois, <laughs> right here on the Lake Breaking podcast, and that is where we'll end it. Sam, whilst we're all in the same place at the same time, please get us out of here. It's emotional, isn't it? It is. Beautiful stuff. If you're interested to know, if you if you're listening, get in contact with us on, on social media, Twitter, you know, Instagram. You can find us mainly by searching late breaking. We are at L Breaking on Twitter as well. We're mainly active. Come on, and chat with us. What do you think about us all being together and who were better? What do you think about Porter now? Should we go off season? Should we come back there in another year? It'd be great to know what your thoughts are on it. If you've enjoyed the podcast, share it, subscribe to us on whatever chosen platform you're listening to on Spotify, I have to use it, whatever you fancy. Like it, leave a review. It really does help. It's massive. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been Harry Eat. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.